All right. Well, hey, Shelly, today is a great day. You want to know why? Yes, I do. I want to know why. Because today I get to be schooled uh, on, admittedly, yeah, admittedly another topic, another topic I'm not really an expert on, and that's IoT. I love learning new things. And we've got some great guests to help us really uh, dive into that. Yeah, we do. We have Cliff and Brian from Thin Air. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we're mega excited to have you both. This is this is going to be a fun discussion. First, I wanted to ask them how they came up with the name of their company. How does that relate to IoT? All of the all of the things. We did that a lot. So we were rebranding our company late in the genesis of of Thin Hair, and we were trying to figure out what the best approach, what the best name was, what the what name would tell who we are and what we what we did as a company and we had a protocol that we invented for IoT which we had named thin air spelled t-h-i-n-a-e-r we thought it was a cool way to spell it very european that was and so that was our protocol um we spent fifty thousand plus dollars on marketing firms to help us understand a good name and we went through the whole exercise week after week for a while and so we had all of the names on the whiteboard in my office, and uh, we ha- happened to also have the protocol name up there. My wife came in for lunch. She goes, oh, yeah, I love Thin Hair as a name. I said, you know, I do too, and I wish you had said that <laughs> $50,000 ago because it is the right name for the company. And that's how well, we your wife, Thin Hair. Your wife is a smart woman. She's yeah. a very smart woman. The you spouses know, always come in and, and yeah. rip off the Band-Aid, don't they? they right. Always- I need my wife to come in and look at, she'll be like, why didn't you just do this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the Done price that. of lunch. Yeah. For the price of lunch, I could have named the company. Does she have her own marketing company now? She does not. She should. You should tell her that. Oh, bro. Well, I, I love the name. You're the CEO, right? I am. I'm the CEO and founder. And founder. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. What, what, what brought you there? I had another company. We were re-engineering the way the world communicated across software, across network, and across business boundaries. And so I was part of a company called Webify. I was the chief operating officer. And we were acquired by IBM. And when you sell a company to IBM, a lot of times you have to go to IBM jail for three years. And so I did. And while I was in IBM jail, and that means you just can't start another company. All right. Uh, so... I did worldwide software strategy while I was at IBM. My role was to identify emerging technology around the world that was meaningful enough from a growth possibility standpoint for IBM to invest in. We got really excited when we would see emerging technology in the hundreds of millions. We'd never seen anything with a B, you know, E or billions. And IoT was, was of course, at that time, it was uh, evolving from machine to machine into what is today known as IoT. And so I had an opportunity. Um, IBM approached me about turning Watson into a for business, you know, taking AI to the business world, and being a part of that team. And I told them I had a better idea. My jail time was up and I was leaving to start a company in the IoT space. And so that's where Thin Air was born. Now, does IBM describe it that way? Do they recognize, do they market it that way? I don't know that they, they I don't know they call it IBM jail. I may have termed, I may have come up with You it. may have coined it. I okay. coined IBM jail. Cliff is laughing over there. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very disappointing. Yeah. When yes. you're used to starting in, and, you know, as an, a serial entrepreneur, I'm used to starting my own companies and growing my own companies. So I'm used to, if I say it's so, it's so. And when you. you get to a company of that size, that it's not necessarily that way. So your company, Thanera, is is pretty small but mighty. Yeah, we're we're small but growing quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have thirty employees, so we have some of the world's largest companies as our customers, and we are first movers in some really interesting technology spaces. So yeah, I would. I would consider us mighty, especially for our size. And part of that mighty team is Cliff. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about you. How did you become uh, part of this really cool, innovative, collaborative team at, at Thin Air? Yeah. So Thin Air, um, I've been here for just about three years, actually, and it's a really cool story. How how Brian and I we all got connected actually was a few years back. About eight or nine years ago, I had started a company with two other partners, and it was a way for people to give real-time feedback through a mobile or web-based application to within companies to improve processes, initiatives, even feedback on on competencies. And um, we had some some common uh, networks between Thinair and where our company was based, which up in uh, Philadelphia. We got connected with Brian and team. There was a, a really good synergy there because as Brian and, and his team were, were had developed uh, and were just growing every day with new capabilities around IoT, marrying that with human-based feedback is a real complete picture. And so it made sense for our, our companies to come together. And so Thinair acquired our company. And so we moved everybody over as part of that transition it, it's a really cool we'll get into the platform here but there's a way for people to give feedback as well to resolve when things go anomalous with the the, the uh, sensors and machines and things like that so ever since I uh, I've been working as uh, overseeing our strategic accounts and that's a mix of business development working close to with our client operations team and working with really really great partners like like Microsoft that's awesome Smaller company, you always get to wear just a few different hats, right? Yeah. Yes. That's the fun part. Let's talk about the the angle of, of Azure and, and IoT and thin air and how all this works together. So give us guess, give us a sense of how all this works. Yeah, happy to. Um, so we are or we were historically on AWS and, and AWS GovCloud. We felt like what Microsoft was doing in the Gov area the GovCloud area, and especially in the classified cloud area, was was more, it was just a more leadership position in the industry, and we want to always make sure we're positioned as a leader and with, with the leaders out there, so we felt like it was a better fit for us, and Cliff, of course, did, I think, the initial outreach to Microsoft, and, and we went back and forth on how and when we would potentially partner. We, in, we ended up landing on kind of some lead offerings where we could we could work together and, and help each other. And, and that is certainly in the Gov and in that classified area, which I think we'll dive into it a little bit. But we just felt like Microsoft was a better platform. It was a better organization around the platform, a better organization for helping its partners, you know, reach the pinnacle of the industries which they're in. So 
we just thought there were a lot of partnership opportunities that Microsoft offered that AWS didn't. And so we took upon ourselves to invest the dollars to port everything over to Azure. Um, we're pretty excited that we bring up our next Fortune 500 company, I think, today on Azure. So oh, that's exciting. It's a lot. That. Can we say? Um, I not on this right here, but yeah, maybe in the near future we still does. Does doesn't want to say, but give some descriptions around it. But yeah, yeah. Um, look for an update to the LinkedIn post right, at yeah. some point, right? Oh, yeah. Comment exactly. in there with an exclamation point. Yeah. Coming soon for sure. That's and cool. and so, you know, as we progressed with Microsoft, we we got the platform ported over. We checked off a number of the partnership process boxes with Microsoft, you know, it seems like every day we find it was the, the right choice for us and the better better cloud partner for us. And um, so we spent some time with um, Defense and Intelligence, that organization within Microsoft while we were at MRO speaking, we were on the stage at MRO and we happened to do a global presentation for Emilio and his team and who else did we work with? Who set the whole thing up for us? With uh Microsoft. Oh, uh, originally, well, this was uh, Kate Maxwell, yeah. actually. Yeah. The, 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 oh, okay. So, yeah, for yes, and intelligence. So Kate brought us in and um, yeah. did a global presentation for her and her team. We met Emilio. Um, so every day, it, it seems like we, we prove it out again that we made the right choice. And so we're on our way to a classified and NAI conference. Um, we're with us, Microsoft, and a group of Microsoft customers who are key to us, key to Microsoft, just a terrific relationship. But I think the the opportunity for both of us is we're first movers in the classified space. And that's not the only area though that you focus on, right? So AI is a super hot topic from an industry perspective. You you branch out more than than just the public sector, correct? For sure. Yeah. So Air is a platform that's horizontal. We really felt like if we were smart and the use cases that we that we chose, that it's one of those 80-20 rules that you could solve 80% of the, the business process issues with 20% of the technology, and, and we have proven that out. So the same exact platform, the same exact sonar application layer that our largest Fortune 100 companies use is the same exact platform and the same exact sonar layer that our smaller hospitals use. So it, it's horizontal, it fits in the industry, solves a lot of the IoT-related use cases, um, and it scales to levels nobody's ever scaled before. So we were told by one of the leading tech analysts that we have the world's largest IoT deployment at one of our customers. Well, that's awesome. So you look at the different patterns uh, that are applicable across different industries that can scale from a small company to extremely large. Yeah. And then we solved for both. So we solved for something we call starter kits. Um, we believe at thin air, you should be able to do an IOT use case and pilot it or do a phase one in, in minutes and hours, potentially days, but not, not years. So we've released something to the industry that we call starter kits. And you could literally choose from eight or nine different use cases on our website and Everything will come pre-packaged and ready for you to deploy in a small environment and be up and running in minutes and hours. But we also solved for the most extreme scale 
And I, we spent millions of dollars and years building the platform, but we spent millions more and another year or two just optimizing at extreme scales. So we have customers today capturing millions of data points every second. And that's a lot of data. So we have intelligence at the edge that decides what KPIs need to be pumped to the cloud or what raw data needs to be pumped to the cloud. Our edge devices work together in a mesh type environment to help with trilateration and locationing, but also making sure we get the messages once and only once up to the cloud. So maybe for a simple guy like me, could you guys draw a picture of a problem and talk about how the platform solves it? We may draw a picture of a of an end-to-end -end use case. Um, That'd be great. And a use case is usually based on solving for a problem. Um, so simple. the most simple example would be lost a $250,000 scope. No problem. Put a thin air sensor or beacon on top of it, have our infrastructure deployed, and now you can start to track those things in real time. But our platform is smart enough to allow you to set geometric shapes and call them places. And then you can set entry and exit alerts and notify the correct people when something enters or exits. That's probably the most simple use case. The next, you know, you could also then go to more advanced use cases. We run our machines on our manufacturing floor to failure, and then we fix them. And once you run to failure, everything downstream is shut down. With thin air, we have something we call simplified digital twinning. Doesn't matter how old or how new and intelligent a machine is, we can augment it with sensors, and we can then create a digital signature of everything going on on that machine. And so that digital signature also has the ability to be saved and stored in a breadcrumb trail type setup. And then we'll allow a human to go find a time frame and box it off on both sides and then declare a good or quality run and quickly and easily then be able to learn a digital signature for a good run and a dig digital signature then for an anomaly stake. Uh, so it's a super simplified way to ensure that you could start to predict two weeks out or a week out that a machine's going to fail and maybe you deal with that machine on the third shift rather than first shift shutting everything down. Right. I saw, right. I saw one of your case studies with Subaru. So that's, are you, is, you're speaking from your Subaru case study is that, uh, or like food manufacturing or both? Well, that, that is actually most of the things I just spoke through are, are in all of our all of our use cases, all of our industries, um, what I spoke specifically to was in the aerospace and okay. manufacturing industries. Mm -hmm. uh, Subaru is a little bit more uh, human feedback related. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But there are, because we are IoT out of the box at scale, we do offer over 40 plus KPIs out of the box. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Shelly, Bill, location is just one of them. Right. Another one is temperature and humidity. Another might be light detection or fall detection if you want to know if something falls. And so going back to what you had said before about the um, you know, the food manufacturing, one of our Fortune 100 clients is using it to understand when raw product for you know ultimately consumers, when it's being stored and for how long and what temperature and humidity it's exposed to all the way through once it does go on the line, how well is that line performing? Because we're able to understand 
the performance of sometimes some very, very old brownfield equipment assets. And so really starting to understand the entire life cycle of that product that ultimately reaches a consumer's you know, hands and, and they, something they, they eat or chew on and, and enjoy, you want to have consistency. And so these are some of the ways that innovative companies are using our technology to ensure a high degree of product quality throughout the entire uh, manufacturing process. And it's a great example of cross-industry applicability. So we originally solved the problem Cliff just explained for a space agency. So raw materials have to be stored below minus 40 Celsius. And anytime they're above minus 40 Celsius impacts the shelf life of that raw material. And these are things that you can't fix. You know, once they're in outer space, you can't just send a repairman. So right. carefully, <laughs> carefully, carefully tracking um, the the environmentals around those raw materials was important. And of course, that's directly applicable to the consumer goods. It sounds like they might have a project in space. I don't know. That's what, that that's what I'm, yeah, it could be. It sounds like there's some practical, practical application there. I was just going to say, you guys were kind of starting to speak my language, uh, thinking about, I'm going to date myself, but going way, way back to when I got my start in healthcare <clears throat> a long, long time ago was what we were doing very manually on a production line was collecting various data points. And this was on paper to get quality information about the product that was coming down the line that eventually went into a very early, like statistical process control system software. Yeah. To tell you when a run was starting to go bad. Uh, so yeah, long, long, long time ago, my, my, how things have evolved since then. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now most of that can be done with seven dollar off the shelf sensors and and <laughs> yeah, platform. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're always kind of saying for for different clients that we're onboarding. You know, they're they're scattered across. We we actually have deployed um, outside of the United States, but we're we're international now. Okay. And yeah, our, our team is always sort of our client operations team is drawing straws on. Who gets to go to the nice warm places? I think Brian's always the first one to raise his hand whenever there's a, a warmer place to go to. But we haven't yet. Shelly said, who's the first one that's going to go to, to Mars or to space? So right. that, yeah. that hopefully will be a first one. <laughs> Florida is always by our territory. Denver and Mars. <laughs> the benefits of CEO ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So Thanera is, is, has a global fo- footprint. So anybody uh, globally could use any of your, your start kits to get up and running? Yeah. In fact, the, our first kind of foray into uh, global installations was a proof point for our starter kits. So we were part of a, there was a global health company wanting to help recess economies with, with technology and healthcare. And so they they were searching for an out-of-the-box IoT solution, and we were the only one that actually worked out of the box. So we are deployed in sub-Saharan Africa, tracking oxygen for healthcare use cases. Yeah. And so it was certainly a proof point for that, but we built the platform so that it can be localized quite easily, no matter where we, we need to go install. Nice. So as we look at changing technology, I mean, you're always you know, looking ahead, we mentioned AI before, that's at the hot topic. How do you see that changing what you're offering? Does that, how are you incorporating that in? Yeah, so AI is certainly part of the evolution of what we offer. One of the, one of the differentiators for thin air from the very beginning, the vision was to create the internet of everything first. And so to create the internet of everything, 
we had to drive some paradigm shifts. We had to drive the cost of infrastructure had to come down drastically. And so we, we accomplished that. We had to work with partners around the world to find sensors that we could drastically change the end price of so that you could deploy millions and billions of these things instead of hundreds of them. Uh, and we've accomplished that. We then had to work with those same partners so that we could have them pre-configured so that they were easy to associate with assets and raw materials and be deployed quickly. And we accomplished that. And then we had to, there was, there was like a checklist of 10 things that we knew we had to accomplish to create the internet of, of everything. Well, as we get more and more data, the more data, the better business decisions you can make, but also the more data, the harder it is to sort through and figure out what what matters, right? And so AI is that logical crutch, if you will. Um, yeah. But it's certainly the next layer in sorting through all of that data and figuring out what you do care about. So first we had to, we didn't know what we didn't know. Our customers didn't know what they didn't know. We had to get the data first. Well, now that we have the internet of everything, we're starting to apply AI to it. And our first example was in locationing. Lots of companies out there can do locationing. Lots of companies can spread out infrastructure and do trilateration. But we went a step further and said, we'll use AI to learn where things should be and where they should go and where they should be stored. And then we'll let AI tell us when things are out of place. And so all you have to do is come in in the morning, open sonar and open your map and you'll get red dots where the where sonar has learned where things are are you highly likely out of out of place? With all of that information, you know, another thing that our customers are, are really concerned about is security. How do you bring that into the picture with you know all the massive amount of data that you're you're focused on, uh, capabilities that you're providing? But how do you do that securely? Oh, that's a terrific question, and it took us almost eighteen months to to prove that the first time. So we are actually deployed our largest deployments in the DoD space. And so we went through an 18-month security review. So we're at the point today where we sit on Azure Gov. We can even go on to Azure Classified. Uh, but we encrypt all data in motion. We encrypt all data at rest. Everything, all access is token-based. And it's time, time, access is time and token-based. So it's highly secure today. Um, in fact, we've made it so even if somebody figured out because we do use off-the-shelf sensors. Even if somebody figured out how to get a data packet from an off-the-shelf sensor, we make it impossible to piece that data back together with the asset um, that it's associated with until you're behind a secure gov or classified firewall. Yeah, and Microsoft is such a huge leader in solutions, cloud solutions for government, for commercial uh, defense manufacturers, it might be worth us even saying a little bit more about how with our own classified solution marries well with you know with with the with the visionary products that, that yeah so security you meant you you just brought up security that that was the first reason we started to look at a partnership with Microsoft moving everything we do from AWS and over to Azure over with Microsoft it just so happens that the partnership support that comes along with working with Microsoft we learned was was really really uh, top notch as well, but security and what Microsoft is doing with with the classified cloud is important. So we are a first mover with 
two classified solutions. We have something we call classified E or classified external. And what that means is we don't put anything inside of a classified area. But we do allow you to track even assets that are bound for classified areas while they're out in a general area. And then we have created some technology that will burst and drain a sensor before it enters a classified area. And then we've created something that we call barrier gateways that will use, and this ties back to the AI again, that will use AI to learn what signals should be around. And when it sees new signals inbound that may potentially be heading to classified, it sets off an alert. So it's it's a multi-layered approach to making sure you can leave a, a tag, a tracking tag on an asset, even though it's bound for classified. It goes into classified completely dark, passes all of the government DOD rules for being inside of classified. But as soon as it comes back out, we'll directionally wake it up with, well, we'll wake it up with directional energy. And then you go right back to your IoT use case and you've ensured um, that you are going to lose uh, valuable assets that are bound for classified space. So Microsoft is a key player in that with the classified and secure or secret cloud. Um, and it was a, it was a great, um, I guess, a great addition to what we were already trying to accomplish in that space. The other side of classified is what we call classified I or classified internal. And that is certainly where we're, we'll leverage the Microsoft advances where we will set off either, we will create either an air gap or a, a secure classified cloud within a classified area and build the network around it, but completely walled off from the outside. Well, you beat me to my question then, because that's what I was going <laughs> to So what about like an air-gapped environment? <laughs> Thinking back to the, uh, I didn't work for a long time in the federal space, but a, a couple of years in the federal space. So I, I did get a, a sense for some of the ways that we, we work. And there are some very disconnected environments, certainly a, a lot of areas around national security concern and things like that, where yes, things cannot touch a wire. Right, right. And so in that environment, that like in an air-gapped environment, we, when we originally designed, and when I say we, but, but Paul, Taylor, and the team, when they originally designed and built the platform, we knew we wanted to be um, cloud source agnostic. And so that was one of the ways that made it um, really easy for us to pick it up and move it over to Microsoft. Uh, but one of the things that they did was completely dockerized everything so it could run standalone on-prem if we wanted to do air gap that way, but it could it could run on any version or any um, any way a cloud is architected, our system is prepared to to be deployed on it. So this is a pretty big deal. It looks like uh, you've been recognized by Gartner. I mean, that's not an easy thing to get that recognition. What does Gartner say about Thanair? So it certainly is. Gartner's, you know, a leading tech analyst around the world. They do recognize, I think it's the top 30 companies that they will acknowledge as part of their magic quadrant. Uh, we were excited to be chosen uh, when we got the call from Gartner that we were selected as one of the top 30 companies in the world. We've been working hard to prove that we scale to levels nobody else scales to. We do things more securely than other people do, and we make it easier than everybody else. And I think that was all recognized by Gartner. So yeah, we're, we're thrilled. We were honorable mention this year. Uh, so we met all criteria from a tech standpoint, uh, but one of the criteria is a certain number of customers. Uh, 
since the time we were selected for honorable mention, we had we do meet now even the number of customers. So we expect to be just a full magic quadrant for just by next year. But um, even the fact that we were acknowledged as a honorable mention says we met all of the tech requirements and we do things as well as anybody in the world that space. So we're very excited about it. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. So you mentioned easy. You have a number of kits to help really engage with you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what the next step would be. You've got a number of industries that you focus on. You've got these prepackaged kits that are available. How, do, how does somebody engage and connect with Thinair? Yeah, sure. So we have a, a really great product out of the box, and that's what, that's what we are is IoT out of, out of the box and at scale. And so we needed a way to enable those either large customers that are looking to start something quickly or for all the way down to the smaller mom and pop shops that don't have as, as big of budgets as some of these larger companies do. And so for both of those situations and everyone else in between, we created starter kits. And the starter kits really are a foray into uh, a company's IoT journey. And we currently offer them for $4,900. And that gets you all the hardware and software and support and training videos that you would need to get up and running. Uh, and you can literally start your own IoT journey in a matter of, of minutes and hours, not, not weeks and months. And I think what's really great about these starter kits is the range of use, of use cases that you can accomplish with just one kit. And so they enable someone to do uh, asset location, which we talked about, you know, on on this call, they enable you to monitor some of your environmentals like temperature and humidity, and it also gives you access to the full suite of our platform, where you can get notifications and alerts and things like that. So they're a really great way for people to get started. You can certainly find them. There's uh, links on our website where people can can order them. And then we're in the process actually of putting them on the Azure uh, marketplace as well. So that way any of Microsoft's customers will be able to acquire them as a transactable component of their own through the, through the Microsoft platform. So we're very excited about that as the next step. Awesome. Love to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a bit envious uh, in a good way for what the two of you get to do every day at thin air. And, and that is really getting to nail digital transformation with companies because that's that's what this leads to, right? I mean, it, this this leads to the insights that truly transform an organization, a government, anything. And I, I got to admit, I, color me a little green. I, I'm a little, a little obvious. Oh, we appreciate that. Yeah, it is fun. And like I, with those starter kits, they are so cheap that I joke around. Someone had mentioned to me a, a client the other day. She says, "My gosh, they're only four thousand nine hundred dollars." She goes, I spend more on team dinners than I do. And I said, well, your team dinners sure sound fun, but. They do. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like they might have some good wine at those team dinners. Right. Yeah, exactly. How do we get involved in those team dinners? Yeah. Feel free to slide an invite our way. Yeah, exactly. So what a great conversation. Um, you, when we, I don't remember how we came up, came up with this one, but I think, Brian, you had talked about this about what you want customers to, I wrote this down, but I don't remember the context, bear hugged by customers at the end of the year. Oh yeah. It's when you spend time in the government space, or yeah. the DOD space as we do, um, budgets have to be used by the end of the year. So <laughs> That's do, what it was. We start getting bear hugged somewhere around October um, and we're bear hugged the entire rest of the year by our customers at 
and the, the key for us is everything has to be on their receiving docks by December 22nd. So okay, it's a great problem to have. But yeah, we get yeah. here every year. <laughs> for some reason, I put in my notes that it was a positive thing. So it's, it's actually a about... Thing. It's a positive <laughs> thing. All, all I could think of... <laughs> We'll take all the bear hugs you want to send over. There you go. There you go. Shelly, all I could think of was Logan Roy from Succession saying, is this a bear hug? <laughs> <laughs> we love him. <them. laughs> oh, too funny. All right. Do we have a good ending, Bill? I, I think the ending is the, the beginning. Uh, yeah. It's like get right. engaged with get engaged. thin air. Yeah, mm -hmm. because this this was really, really cool. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount. I don't I know did. about you, Shelly. I did. I did. I did. Thank you, Shelly. Yeah, we're, absolutely. We're having a good time. We're solving problems. And, uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be doing it with Microsoft right now. We'd love to partnership. Yeah. My youngest brother, he doesn't work at Microsoft. He is a different kind of a geek. He works on the power grid. But he is um, a Subaru. He's a Subi enthusiast. So I can't wait to tell him about this and listen to it because that's one of your case studies. That is. And the fact that you even said a Subi. That's, uh, yeah. That's I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because he uh, he used to go to those meets, the meetups, like to have that? What? You're doing what? Then he got married. He has got three kids. And so he's he's got a minivan now, but he loved his Subaru. <laughs> he still loves Subaru. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Shelly's brother. What's your brother's yeah. name? Matthew. Shout out to Matthew. Yep. And you have to do the, the minivan route. It's, it's a ride of pass. Yeah, he, he resisted. He's like, there's no way. Minivan, so first kid, it was fine. Second kid, like, no, we're not getting a minivan. Third kid, like, mm, the minivan is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, he still loves the Subaru. Well, gentlemen, I have to say, you did run out of time, but I am so excited that clip that you reached out to me and that we were able to connect on this uh, because I knew that we were doing some cool stuff through our engineering teams and through my former federal contacts and stuff but uh, this is this is awesome so glad you guys were here very awesome thank you thank you for having on Ions we appreciate it we'll give you a big bear hug and a good one we love bear hugs to send that yeah. budget <laughs> you don't even have to wait till October show yeah. yeah no no we're doing it now now yeah yeah all right, thank you both. Thank you. That was awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you we so are. much.